In 2016, Micah just told you about his uh, experience in, in Poland in 2014, and we had this partnership where we were going every two years with our high schoolers to Poland. This last spring break, I had this moment. I might even shared it before because it was a moment that really has haunted me for a couple of months. We had a group of students. Uh, it was me and I think four or five girls, and uh, we got on the train that morning to go to the city we were going to be serving in. We got off the train. We walked out, and we were going to be meeting uh, one of like the local pastors, one of the local leaders in the church. He was going to pick us up in his car and drive us from the train station to the school. And so we do that. We load up in his car. Great guy. And as we're driving to the school, he speaks good English. But he just uh, starts talking to us about questions. And he asks our teenagers who are there on a mission trip. They're there to tell people about Jesus and to serve. He says, if you're in the school and one of the students asks you, uh, what, what should I do to follow Jesus? What would you say? And I'm sitting in the pastor's seat. He's driving our students in the back of like this minivan. And it's like, you know, people joke like crickets chirping because it's so quiet. That's all you hear. It was, it was like there was no answer. And, and so I kept waiting like for, for one of the four or five girls to say something. I turned around and I said, I said, did you guys, do you understand the question? Like, cause I thought maybe, you know, he's got a different accent. And they said, oh yeah, yeah. I said, well, well, what would you say? And they were quiet. And then somebody, one of the students popped us up and said, hey, well, well, I would invite him to come to church with us. And all of a sudden, my mind started like, like spinning because we'd already talked about and we knew that, that a lot of the kids in this school, because of their, their culture and the religion of, of where, they, where they live, they would not be allowed to go to a, a Protestant church. They wouldn't be allowed to come where we were going to be. And so we knew that that wasn't a good answer. I mean, he was wanting to know, how would you tell them about Jesus and who Jesus is, what the good news of Jesus is? And, and we couldn't get an answer. And then one student kind of gave one that, that was pretty good. And I remember sitting in that car, like I was almost like angry. Uh, I was a little bit embarrassed, to be honest, because I thought, man, I'm like the team leader, and we're here to tell people about Jesus, and we just discovered that nobody knows how. And, and I was like, man, and so it just, I just went through this struggle. And so, so what we're going to do for the next five weeks has really been a culmination of almost a year's worth of haunting, is the word I used earlier, and that's a good one, of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to spend five weeks talking about the gospel. Now, that's kind of a, a Christianized word. What the gospel is, is the gospel means good news. That, that's the, that's the, the easy interpretation of it. It's the good news that God has for us. Now, it, it, it dawned on me there. I thought, maybe if we can't explain it, maybe, and these are kids that, I mean, these are sharp teenagers. These are teenagers that ha, had given up their spring break to go overseas on a mission. They had saved tons of money to buy airplane tickets. Uh, they, had, they had read books to prepare. They had learned how to pray for an hour. And I thought, man, if these, if these guys and girls don't, can't explain the gospel, there's probably a pretty good chance that most teenagers can't. And I started thinking, maybe, if we can't, maybe we can't explain the gospel because we don't really understand the gospel. Maybe that's why we don't understand the gospel. Maybe that's why so many people, probably a lot of people in this room, think that Christianity is about doing more good things than it is doing bad things. You know, that's, that's not true at all. But maybe we, maybe we believe that because we don't understand it. Maybe we have this idea, and there's, there's Christians, there's people, again, that love the Lord. And if you ask them, hey, who goes to heaven? They go, well, everybody does. That's not true. Maybe they think that because they don't understand the good news of God as it's been, as it's been folded out in the, in the Scripture. And so if we explain the gospel, we ought to be able to do it in about 60 seconds. I mean, it really shouldn't be that difficult to explain, but we're going to take the next five weeks to dive really deep, 
not just so that we can explain it, so that we can understand it. Because here's the truth. Once you understand the gospel in such a deep level that you could explain it to somebody, it becomes what we titled this series a game changer. It has the power to transform your life to really understand who God is, what God is about, what he has in store for you, and it begins to affect everything that you do, and you begin to find this this spiritual vitality that so many people long for. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and I know not everybody can. Well, I know you can't all be here for the next five weeks because you'll have things that come up, but I want to ask you to do this. Would you consider doing everything you can to make the, at least the next five Wednesday nights. You're going to want to come after that because the next series we're going to talk about sex. We'll fill up this room. Uh, but for the next five weeks to say, man, I'm going to clear my schedule because I want to get all five of these messages because they go together because they quite honestly can change your life. I've never been more excited about a series I am right now. So the message, you in? Would you at least consider trying to be here for the next five weeks? You in? Are you, are you in? Like... Okay, awesome. Let's pray. God, as we open up your word tonight, God, I pray that you begin this transformation tonight. As we we kind of get this foundation for the gospel and, and, and what it means about you. God, I pray that you would, man, make it crystal clear to us and that it would begin the life transformation as we see a bit of your character tonight that influences the next four weeks. And so in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so here's this foundational thing we need to do. If you're taking notes, and this is the bottom line, this is if you don't remember anything else tonight, you need to walk out. I know some of you remember, we're talking about sex soon. Uh, if you remember anything other than that, remember this, because here's the, here's the foundation, and it affects everything we're going to do for the next four weeks. God is good, and he does good things. I'm going to say that over and over tonight. God is good, and he does good things. Now, if, if I go into the uh, worship center, I go into church, and I get up on the stage, and I say that, and I say, God is good, I'm going to get a lot of amens and hallelujahs and things like that because church people agree. Even if they don't believe it, they, they think that's right. So they're going to be like, yes, God's good. Yes, God does good things. But, you know, not everybody, especially outside the doors of a church, believe that. I mean, there, there's some students maybe in the room. You're not sure you believe it. Because right now, you're in the midst of like, maybe your parents have, have been going through problems or divorce, or maybe you're a, pro- a product of a divorced home, and you've been pit in between a mom and a dad and their problems and their fighting, you're getting drugged back and forth in between. And maybe your experience, maybe it wasn't your parents just divorcing because of irreconcilable differences. There was maybe, and this, this is a very real fact, there, there was domestic violence in your home. There was abuse. Or maybe there was an affair, and, and everybody knows about it. Or maybe there was drugs, and there was alcohol involved. And you would say, and this is very fair, you would say, I don't know if I can get on board with God as good. Because you're not walking where I walk. You're not living in a life. If God is good, why is my life like this? And that, that is a fair question. There's some students that you go to school with, maybe here, that, that they don't even know who their parents are. They were born to parents who maybe in a noble cause because they said, we can't take care of these kids. They gave up for adoption. Or or, or maybe they had parents that went, you know what? We got pregnant and we don't want a kid. And they they gave a child up and a child's growing up, being raised by somebody else. He doesn't know his mom and dad is or she doesn't. And and there's this this inner identity issue. And, And why would my parents who are supposed to be my primary caretakers, why would they not be here for me? And you go, I don't, I don't know if I agree God is good. 
I don't know if I agree that God does good things. And, and hear me when I say that. This, this, that is a fair question, a fair statement. There's some bigger things that, that cause people to question the goodness of God, even to question the existence of God. Things like natural disasters. Take like this Hurricane Matthew that just hit Haiti. You know, that, 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 that hurricane hit that island and had over 140 mile an hour winds that blew for over nine hours over that developing country. Very few things were left standing when those winds hit. Over 800 people, 800 families grieved the loss of loved ones. Not just that, but when the, when the winds passed, there was cholera and, and tetanus in the water. People's crops, their farms were washed away, so their future was gone. Their farm animals were drowned. There was over $1.9 billion worth of damage to that little country, and that all happened six years after the earthquake. And so people look at that, and they say this. They go, listen, you say, they say to me, you say that God is all-powerful, and you say that God is good, but I don't see how those two things can be true because God can't be all-powerful and God can't be all-good because if he was all-powerful and all-good, he'd do something about that. So either he doesn't care and he's not good or he's not powerful and he, can't, he cares but he can't do anything. It's a good question, isn't it? A good argument. Now here's, here's some good news and some bad news. There are some very easy theological and logical answers that debunk that idea that God can't be all good and God can't be all powerful, even though it seems to make sense to us now. Now, here's the bad news. We don't have time tonight to answer all of those things. So I'm going to ask you, some of you, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. Either trust me when I say that God is good and God is all-powerful. Trust me um, because I've done the work. But I don't want you to have blind faith. If you go, I can't. I mean, I, I, I'll let you borrow. I even brought it. I'll order you a copy. It's a thick book, God is Good by Randy Alcorn. And he goes through dozens and dozens and dozens of answers refuting that idea that God can't be all good and God can't be all powerful. And it makes perfect sense. You read and you go, oh, that makes total sense. Now, some of you go, there's no way I'm doing that because I'm on a third grade reading level. Um, so here's what I tell you this. Because I don't want you to have a blind faith. If you go, man, I, don't, I struggle with that. I will make my calendar open to you. We'll go grab lunch. We'll go grab a Coke. And we'll sit down and we'll talk through the reasonings behind that. We just can't do it tonight because we've got a, a different agenda. Okay, so is that fair? If you go, I just ask me, let me just say, trust me. God is good. We'll talk a few reasons why. But if they don't satisfy you for that, let's get together at another time where we can do that, okay? But I want to give you some explanations or maybe a few things that point toward the fact that this is true, that God is good and he does good things. And here's, here's, here's one of the arguments I'd give. And it's, an, it's not nearly as good as the ones in the book. But, but I referenced a few minutes ago, like a teenager who's been through a divorce, whose parents, maybe there's domestic violence in the home or things like that. And they go, man, I can't, God's not good. There's no way. You know, when I was five years old, when I was five years old, I was laying in my bed. And I don't remember a whole lot from being five years old. But I remember laying in my bed five years old. And I remember my mom and dad arguing, and they were yelling and screaming each other. It was so loud that it was coming from our kitchen all the way down through the hallway to my room. As a five-year-old, I couldn't sleep. And I remember getting up and walking out of my bedroom, and I went down to this little dining room. We had this formal dining room, and it was always in the dark. Nobody ever used it. And we had these saloon-style doors that went from our dining room into our kitchen. And my mom and dad were having their argument and their fight in the kitchen. It was all lit up. I was in the dark. They had no idea I was there. I told my mom this a couple years back, and she, couldn't, she was blown away. So I had no idea. 
I sat in that corner. I'm watching my mom and my dad as a five-year-old yell and scream. My dad in his alcoholic rage, because he's an alcoholic, drunk every night. And I watched him hit my mom. And it was shortly after that that they sent me down and told me that they were divorcing. They were splitting up. And my dad walked out on me. He lived in the same city for most of my life. Brought me one birthday present all my life. Refused to drive the 60 minutes, 30 minutes, sorry, the 30 minutes to watch me graduate from high school. He refused to drive the two hours to watch me graduate from college. He refused to drive the hour, the 60 minutes, to watch his only son get married to his only daughter-in-law. He refused to drive the 60 minutes ever and at any time, not just at the birth of his first grandbaby, but never came to see his only grandchild in his life. So I know about divorce. And I know about domestic violence. And I know about alcoholism. And I know about dads who, who, who aren't good. But let me tell you this. I can say unapologetically and crystal clear, God is good and he does good things. And I know not everybody can. But just because you've had bad things in your life doesn't mean that God isn't good. I'm an, I'm an example of that. And we talk about countries like Haiti and things like that. And we look at it and go, well, what about that? Well, you know, the, the, world, the Wall Street Journal did this study and they, they came across the top 10 worst places to live in the world. And in the top 10 was a country in Africa called Mali. In Mali, the average person makes $1,500 a year. The average life expectancy in Mali is 58 years. Most people don't. That, that's the average. If, if somebody lives to 68, that means somebody dies at 48. Mali has one of the highest rates of infant mortality and maternal mortality. It means babies dying at birth and moms dying giving birth in all of the world. 89% of Mali has a junior high education or lower. Terrible place to live. Wall Street Journal says so from their study. But the Gallup poll did a study also. They did a study on countries' happiness. And guess which country has happier people in it between Mali and the United States? Mali. And so we look at that from our perspective, from the United States, and we, we look at a country like Mali, 89% of people with no education. We look at infant mortality rates and, 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 and $1,500 a year, and we go, God isn't good because look at that. And there are Christians in Mali that go, what do you mean God isn't good? God has been good to us. We love where we live. We love our families. We love God. We love our country. You're the ones that have everything, and you're the ones that are unhappy. So don't tell us where we live that God isn't good because God has been good to us. So just because we think that God isn't good because there's some sin in the world, and we're going to talk about that next week. We'll really kind of expose this idea some more next week. doesn't mean that God isn't good. The difference is in how well you know God. I don't say that pridefully. The reason why I can say God is good and he does good things is because I've spent a lot of years of my life walking with the Lord. And he's done good things for me, and I can attest to him. And even in the bad things, when bad things have happened in my life, even when many times it's been my own fault, he has been faithful and good. So the truth is, and the foundation to this understanding of the gospel that we're going through the next five weeks, is God is good, and he does good things. And we need to hear from some people who have had deep, intimate experience with God and can tell us about it. So here's what we're going to do tonight. We're about halfway done already. But we're going to look at a couple of different verses. I'm going to have you flip around. So if you don't have a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you to do this. I don't mind. You can run to the back and grab some. There's a handful back there. They're like lost and found Bibles. If you've got a phone, you've got a Bible on there, um, you can get the Bible app. If don't, you don't, download it. 
Keep it for the future. Uh, you can even log on and find Collide on there. and It'll have the verses we're going to look at. You don't have to flip for them. I'm going to put all the verses up here on the screen since we're going to look at a few because I want you to go there with me so you can kind of find them ahead of time. The first one I want you to go to is Romans chapter 8. Give me a second to flip there too because I want to read it to you for those of you guys that don't have a Bible with you. And, and here's what I want you to understand. We're not, just, we're not just saying, hey, the Bible says so. I want you to hear from a guy named Paul. <coughs> Now, you may have had a terrible life. You may have had a life where, where you would say, I can't say God is good. That, that's okay. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. That's your perspective at the moment. But I will tell you this. Your life has not been worse than Paul's. I mean, your life might have been as bad as Paul's, but it hasn't been worse. Let me tell you a few things that happened to Paul. Paul, in his own estimation, said, I've gotten beaten up by people more times than I can count. He said, people attack me all the time because of my faith, and I get beaten up. He got beaten up three different times with rods, meaning people came, and they had sticks, like big, thick sticks, and beat him almost to death with rods, not one time, not two times, on three different occasions. Paul was scourged. You know what that means? It happened to Jesus. Paul was tied to a stake, stripped of his clothes, and a Roman soldier, somebody took a, a whip, a cat of nine tails that had like pieces of leather on it. And at the end, it had pieces of bone or rock or, or, or clay or glass, sharp things. And they would whip you across the back and then rip it back across your flesh. And they would do it 39 times. They would whip you 39. You, you, your back would be just, just ripped up. You know that happened to Paul? Five different times. Whipped 40 times, basically. Five different times. He was, as he's trying to tell people about Jesus, he was shipwrecked three times. I mean, almost drowned in the ocean three different times. One time some people stoned him. That means they pushed him off of a cliff and they threw rocks on him and big rocks until they thought he was dead. He did all, all of that stuff happened to him. Now here's what Paul says. Again, your life may be bad. You may go, man, I can't see God as good. I think we could say Paul's had a pretty rough life. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, and we know, this is his words, and we know that those who love, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Isn't that crazy? Guy, I mean, you ever had, none of us in here have been pushed off a cliff and people drop huge rocks on our head. None of us. None of us have been whipped once, let alone 39 times, five different times. And through all of that, Paul looks and he says, listen, I know God intimately. I have this relationship with him. And let me tell you, when bad things happen, God works good out of those bad things. That's what he says, Romans 8, 28. He works all things to the good. Why? Because God is good and he does good things. It's his character. We got a guy named David. Flip over to Psalm 34. David had an interesting early life as a, as a young person, as a teenager and young adult. He was in the king's, where he lived in Israel, he was in the king's palace, and the king of the most powerful country that he knew of threw a spear at him and tried to kill him. Anybody ever had a spear thrown at you? No, I don't think so. He goes running for his life because the king wants him dead. The king basically sends like his own Navy SEAL team after David. David spends years running from the king for his life, living in caves, sleeping at night in caves, trying to find whatever food he can to survive while the king's top army soldiers are coming after him to kill him. And David survives all that, even though it's been a, a, a terrible years of his life. He grows up, gets married, has a kid. His own son tries to murder him when he becomes an adult. 
I mean, David had a rough life. Here's what David says in Psalm chapter 34, verse 8. He says this to us. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man who takes refuge in him. Come taste and see. I've had a rough life. I've had a terrible life. But you know what I can tell you about my rough life? In the midst of it, God is good. We don't know if David wrote Psalm 119 or not. Jewish tradition says he did. Psalmist, whoever wrote it, if it was David, says this in Psalm 119, a few chapters over verse 68, says our bottom line. You are good. He's talking to God. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Same guy who had a spear thrown at him says, God, despite my circumstances, I would say you're good. And then look over at James chapter 1. We will look at one other verse after this. But here's James. Who's James? James is the half-brother of Jesus. The reason why he's not the whole brother of Jesus is because Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, so they don't share the same dad. Jesus' dad was God. James' dad was Joseph. But they were raised in the same home. Now, listen, if you came to me and you said to me, hey, Brett, I want you to know this. I am God. You know, and, and I, mean, I don't believe it. You know, I don't think so. You know, really, I am. I am the perfect incarnation of God. I left heaven and I came to earth. And I'm going to die for everyone's sins. And I'm going to be buried and I'm going to be resurrected. If you told me that and you told me you were perfect, you know one of the first people I'm going to go to to ask? Your brother or sister. Right? How long is it going to take me to go to your brother or sister and go, hey, your brother's told me that he's perfect. Until they go, <laughs> let me tell you a couple stories. Right? I mean, your brother and sister are vouching for James grew up with Jesus Saw Jesus growing up, and James, later in his life, came to faith and said, you know what? The brother that was raised in my home, I have no doubt in my mind that he was God incarnate. So here's what James says about the goodness of God in James 1.17. He says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Because God is good, and God does good things. So I want you to go back to one last verse we're going to look at. It's Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. It's the very beginning. And so, and I'm kind of then set the stage for the rest of these weeks. Genesis 1, 31, God has just created everything. Six days of creation. He's created animals. He's created the sun and the moon and the stars, the planet. He's created humans. At the end of chapter 1, at the end of the creation, it says this. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. I mean, we have people that have walked with God, who've had difficult circumstances. Not just people born into great lives. They're like, yeah, God's good. I'm a millionaire. I mean, people who had difficult lives, but because they walked with God intimately, they attested to us, and the Scripture recorded it for us, that God is good, that he does good things. And here's why it matters. Because at the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, God's plan, because he loves you, because he loves people, God's plan was paradise. He put Adam and Eve in this place called Eden. It was a paradise. There was no such thing as sin. There was no death. There was no disease. There were no Hurricane Matthews. There was no divorce. There was nothing bad. It was all good because God said, I love you, and I want you to experience good things. I want you to experience my blessing. I want you to experience my character. I want you to experience my love. I want you humans to live in paradise with me. Because that was the beginning. That was what God's plan was. 
Now, I can't do the spoiler alert, but next week we're going to go forward into the gospel. What happens next of how that all got ruined? I will give you the spoiler alert. It wasn't God's fault. Okay? But God's plan, because he loves you and because he's good, is for us to have good things. Have a relationship with him. So here, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just kind of a couple of things. I want you to do something this week. So just kind of two thoughts maybe as we kind of lean into this. We'll discuss it Sunday morning in our, in our small groups. And we're going to come back and, and we're going to review this and kind of lay these building blocks down. And at the end of five weeks, you're going to get this big picture to understand what God's good news is for you. And I'm telling you, it will change your life. But let's just lean in on the goodness of God. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week, seven days. Over the next seven days before we gather again together would be to get to know God. Get to know him a little better. David and Paul and James, myself and my story, we can tell that God is good because we've walked with him. We know him. We've experienced him. He's been with us through the bad times. So so maybe you don't have the perspective that God is good because you don't know him that well. So here's what I'm asking you to do. If, if you haven't, over the, last, the past seven weeks, seven days, if you go back and, and I asked you, hey, how many times during the day, during the week, did you open up your Bible and just spend some time reading the Word of God and praying in just 10 minutes? How many, you know, how many days do you spend, 10 or 15 minutes, just in the Word of God praying? If you said, if you would say, hey, it was, it was three or less, three days or less, here's, here's all I'm asking you to do. Here's your application. Add another day to whatever you did. I mean, try to add more. If you go, man, I don't know how to do that. When you walk out, there's a black tablecloth and a table right behind this wall. There's devotional guides out there. You can flip to a day. It'll tell you what verses to read, and it'll give you an understanding of what that passage means. It makes it easy. So maybe you're not in that habit. I'm going to ask you to start that habit just this week. Try to add a few more days to getting to know God a little better through his word and praying. Now, maybe you're a veteran at that, and you go, man, yeah, I spend four, five, six, maybe seven days in the world. I do that every day. Here's my challenge to you to get to know God better. Maybe you need to do a more in-depth Bible study. Maybe you need to grab a book. Maybe you need to grab If God is Good. Maybe you need to grab some other book to help supplement your reading to get to know God a little better. But the more you know him, the more you see his goodness. I have a friend named Nick Burleson. He's a, he lives in, he's a pastor in Stephenville. And, and, and man, Nick is just a great guy. I love him. He's one of, the, one of my best friends. Every time we have a student that graduates here and heads to Tarleton, I mean, I pull him aside and go, listen, you've got to go to Timber Ridge Church. You've got to meet Nick. Nick is awesome. You're going to be away from home. Get to know Nick. He'll take care of you. He's a good guy. Same thing. Get to know Jesus. He's better than Nick. I promise. Get to know Jesus. He's a good guy. And you'll begin to see how good he is. Here's the second thing. We're almost out of time. Second thing is this. Start looking for his goodness. So here's, here's like hands-on. Because if, if you go, okay, I'll look for his goodness, you won't do it. If maybe you're a leadership emphasis, you got your leadership track book, or if not, maybe you have a journal, not get a sheet of paper, get something inside a Bible. And for the next seven days, it's just a seven-day experiment, try to write down 10 things every day that you saw that where God was good. This happened because God is good. This person is in my life, you know what? That, God is good. And just start writing 10 things a day, okay? That, I know that sounds like homework because it's homework. You know, let's do it, right? It's, it's that pride and start seeing it. And we'll gather again next week. We'll talk about this next phase of the gospel. And you're going to see God is good and he does good things. I'm going to pray for us. Don't get up and run because I'm going to have two minutes to tell you something that is going to blow your mind. Let's pray. 
God, thank you so much that you are good. God, you've been, you've been so good to me. And God, this week, I just pray that we would get to know you better and that we would look for your goodness. And God, next week, as we see what went wrong, as we unpack the good news, the ends in good news, we'll know you in a game-changing way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.